Hello, Choose Love audience. Thank you so much for joining us again for this podcast with our special guest, Allison Morgan, who's the founder of Sensational Kids, focusing on mindfulness and movement. And I am so blessed to be able to call Allison a friend. And we've partnered on many events and a special project which is our Sensational Kids Extension Program that we offer all of our Choose Love Movement educators. Allison, welcome. Thank you. Happy to have you because mindfulness is so important. And we were just talking about how powerful our thoughts and our mind is and how it creates our perception of our reality and how much more control mindfulness can help us have over those thoughts and it's just so exciting yeah it's very exciting for me being in this space of yoga and mindfulness and bringing it to youth for over a decade and a half when i first started with this you know there really was not a lot of research out there supporting the benefits of these practices and what they can offer Um, development and personal well-being and stress reduction. So for me, it's an incredibly exciting time because there are more and more people that are sharing these things with youth. And there's more and more support out there really proving the benefits and how this really strengthens not only our inner being, but also our community and how we show up for that community and how we strengthen our bonds with ourselves and with others and how we can do that with great intention. I'm just super, super excited to partner with Choose Love because we share many of the ideals and the beliefs of why these things are important. You know, I'm always talking about the importance of healthy relationships and, of course, Harvard University's 75-year longitudinal study that said that healthy connections and relationships are the key to happiness because relationships are so important to us and we're not born with the skills and tools to have healthy relationships. I know that sounds strange. We're born with mirror neurons that help us connect, but we actually have to learn the skills and tools that help us have healthy relationships. And mindfulness is a big part of that. Yeah. And the other part of that is, you know, we have such a huge population of youth growing up and experiencing Mm. trauma. And a lot of it is because of lack of connection and lack of healthy relationships with Mm. the adults Mm -hmm. in their lives. And, you know, you talk about the Harvard study about the importance of connection for happiness, but there's also that importance of connection to help us heal from trauma. And there's a lot of work looking at the effects of trauma on our mind and our body. But also the greatest thing to help heal trauma is having a relationship and a connection to a stable, calm, Mm. authentic other being. And a lot of that work comes from Bruce Perry and Peter Levine. And again, that's all support for what you and I and other programs like ours are doing. 
And what I love about adding mindfulness to the social emotional competencies is that mindfulness really hones our ability to have a compassionate relationship with ourselves first because it always starts with Mm -hmm. us before we're able to really share the qualities that we talk about with choose love be able to share them with others that's a really good point when we're throwing around this term mindfulness mindfulness means awareness correct focusing one's awareness on the present moment It is about focusing your attention on the present moment, but it's about bringing certain qualities to that awareness, being non-judgmental about it. So it's very easy to say like, yes, this is my present moment experience. I wish it was different. I'm noticing that I wish it was different and I hate being (laughs) with these people and I hate having to do this work. And I'm very Um, aware of that, (laughs) right? So the thing that mindfulness brings, it teaches us how to just notice what is without putting our preconceived condition or perception upon what it is that we're seeing. So we're just sort of noticing like, yeah, I noticed that that person is speaking to me in a very angry tone. And I notice my inner experience with that, that when they speak to me in that tone, I get this sensation in the pit of my stomach that is just tight and churning. And I notice when that person is speaking to me in an angry tone, I'm thinking really negative thoughts about myself and about that person. So typically what happens if we don't put that mindfulness awareness on that particular situation, what might happen is that person's screaming at me and I'm just gonna scream louder. That's my protective mode. And maybe they'll back off and then I don't even have to listen to what they're saying. I've been in that situation, unfortunately. We all have because we're human and our humanness wants us to protect ourselves as much as possible. Mm -hmm. But sometimes in our protection, we actually push people away and we don't allow ourselves to understand where they're coming from. And in that example that I just gave of being present and recognizing like, yes, that person's speaking to me in a very angry tone, what mindfulness allows us to do is take a step back, notice how maybe they're reacting to us or they're reacting to another situation and they're relaying that situation to us. But in taking a step back, we could say, not like, what's the matter with you? Like, why are you doing that? But what's happened to you that's causing you to react in that Mm. way? And by just making that little switch, what we're doing is we're bringing some compassion to that situation and some empathy. And it really changes our whole being in that situation. It changes our part in that relationship. And rather than being reactive and abrasive in that relationship, we bring softness. And by bringing our own softness, it allows that other person who potentially is struggling with something really, really hard and just taking it out on you, but it allows them to find some softness and maybe some place to land and some safety for them we're helping them feel safe. That's beautiful. And we call that thoughtfully responding with love. 
rather than mm-hmm. reacting with mm-hmm. anger, hatred, and revenge. Because when you thoughtfully respond with love to any situation, circumstance, or interaction, and love is kindness, caring, concern, compassion, you literally take mm-hmm. your personal power back in that situation. You gain control of that situation. And mm-hmm. in doing so, you also are adding to the value of the world. You make the world a better place. I mean, there's a, a bigger yeah. outcome as well. Right. And here's the other thing. Not only are you gaining control when you're able to respond through kindness and compassion, you're actually helping that other person who is suffering in a way, but you're helping them gain control of their own sense of calm and safety. So it's really about sharing inner control, but not you controlling the other person. You're giving them the ability to control themselves. Wow, that's taking it to the next level. I love that. Yeah, like, you know, we always have to remember when we talk about relationship, right? One person truly does not dominate everything. There is always an exchange. Mm -hmm. There could be a positive exchange. There could be a negative exchange. And what each person says, does, thinks, and feels contributes to that other person. And it does not only contribute to that external interaction, it contributes to whatever is happening within each of them. And that's the other thing that I love about mindfulness because it truly strengthens our ability to sense and feel and interact on a personal level with ourselves of what is going on within us. And that's that whole piece within, you know, the social emotional learning competencies of self-awareness, right? That's one of the major competencies in social emotional learning of having our ability to be aware of our thoughts, of our emotions, of the sensations that arise with each thought and each emotion and begin to understand what part of me is reacting in a habitual way and what part of me is able to respond with care and compassion. So mindfulness really to me is the cornerstone of becoming more self-aware. And what I love about the yoga piece and the breath and the moment and the movement along with the mindfulness is it gives us tools for self-management because we can do all the lesson plans and stories and teaching about self-management, but that is an inner job. Being able to manage yourself And especially when both of us are bringing this work into schools, one of the common practices within schools is behavior management. Mm -hmm. We look at behavior as this external thing that kids are doing and it becomes disruptive and we got to manage that. Mm -hmm. And when we talk about managing that, most of the tools that 90% of educators use, it is external management. It is the adult managing the child. And it does not work because all behavior begins from an internal state of discomfort and dis-ease. 
Now, is it rational or irrational? It doesn't matter, but all behavior begins from an internal state of dis-ease, of frustration, of anger, of confusion, of disappointment. It all starts from the inside. The actual behavior is what we see on the outside. But it doesn't happen in a vacuum. It starts somewhere. Mm -hmm. It starts from the inside out. How most educators try to manage that is just from that outward behavior because that is what they are seeing. Right. But here's the beauty of social emotional learning and mindfulness put together. We recognize that we want to empower all of us to manage ourselves. That breath, movement, mindfulness, yoga help us with learning techniques and tools that allow us to do that. And what I mean by that is when we see kids that are having, you know, maladaptive behavior and they're calling out a lot, they're impulsive, maybe they're aggressive. A lot of that stems from, we could say stress, anxiety, maybe trauma, and their nervous system is really set for stress. Their nervous system is set on this dial of sympathetic nervous system overload. However, we are able to use our breath, to use our body, to focus our attention, to move that dial more, to turn on our parasympathetic nervous system, which reduces that stress response, which change the hormonal flow of the neurotransmitters that are flowing through our body to allow that inner system to relax. Mm. So we are able to create ease within the body by using our breath, movement, and mindfulness. I love that. And you said something uh, earlier, you said all of us. And I think that's yeah. so important to understand that this is for kids, but it's really for all of us. Well, it goes back to the whole relationship conversation that we were having at the beginning of this podcast. When you think about children with their parents or children in classrooms with educators, we are all constantly co-regulating. We are all constantly reading each other's emotional state. You could call it our vibratory state, or you could call it our nervous system mm -hmm. state. Mm -hmm. And subconsciously, we're always trying to link up together. Like we are relational beings, mm -hmm. right? So that doesn't only happen on a conscious state of trying to relate to each other. It happens on a subconscious state. Our nervous systems are trying to hook up and really like wire together. So Dr. Daniel Goldman, he calls it an open loop limbic system, right? Our limbic system is our emotional epicenter within our brain. And that center is literally trying to understand other people around us. And we've all had this experience. You know, you wake up in the morning and maybe you're feeling, you know, happy and like it's going to be a great day. And you walk into a meeting with a whole bunch of grumpy, negative people. And you can feel the energy of that. Mm -hmm. 
without any words being stated. And it's very easy for people to absorb that negative energy and it just like ruins your whole day. Mm -hmm. So for all of us working with kids, it's really important for us to understand what is my emotional and my nervous system state as I'm interacting with this one child or group of children because they are going to feel what I'm feeling. Again, it's not on a cognitive level, it's totally subconscious, but they are and they are reacting to that. That's interesting because there was a survey called the Excellence for Educator Survey, something like that. And mm -hmm. I came back saying that there are a lot of educators that actually are anxious for their personal safety in schools yes. now. And I always mm -hmm. wonder how that is going to reflect back to their audience, which is their students and how the yeah. students are going to pick up on that too. Mm -hmm. And they absolutely do pick up on that mm -hmm. and then we end up having this vicious cycle within a classroom of everybody feeding off of the energy of that mm -hmm. within the classroom and you can feel it it becomes pervasive and in those states really nobody's learning you can't lead and you can't learn when you are in those states of anxiety and overwhelm so what happens is that your stress brain or the primitive centers of your brain really take over because safety is always first. We always have to keep ourselves safe. It's a primitive reaction to everything because if you stay safe, you stay alive. Mm -hmm. So it always goes to the back brain or the lower centers of the brain first to keep us safe through fight, flight, or freeze. And when those centers of our brain are in gear and are firing, our prefrontal cortex is not. And within that prefrontal cortex are all of our executive functions. So that is where we house the ability to self-regulate, to inhibit impulses, to- Thoughtfully um, respond. Thoughtfully <laughs> respond, right, exactly, yeah. exactly we require that part of our brain to, to turn on, which is another thing why, you know, breath movement and mindfulness are such essential tools to utilize along with social and emotional learning because just by engaging in specific types of breathing patterns, we're able to switch these neural pathways. We're able to quiet that primitive brain that is used to being in gear mm -hmm. over and over and over again, we're able to quiet that down and start to turn on the prefrontal cortex just through breath. So maybe you could lead us through a mindful exercise that helps us to gain a little bit more control and feel safe and start firing neurons and, and change sure. the capacity of our brain so that we can be present. You know, I wanted to share a personal story why I even knew to include mindfulness in what we were doing in the Choose Love Enrichment Program and the movement because I practiced being present with my kids. And I was fortunate enough to have a friend who was into mindfulness and when I was going through a particularly stressful time. So she taught me how to 
be present in the moment. She said, but right now, everything's okay. You're safe, you have your kids around you and everything is okay right now. So just live right now. Don't be fretting about the past, worrying about the future, but just be in the present moment. And I believe that it's my practicing that almost continuously that enabled me on Jesse's last day when I was sending him off to school with his dad to literally turn around and realize that he had written this little note on the side of my car with his little fingernail in the frost, I love you. And he had drawn mm -hmm. hearts on all the windows and even more so in noticing and being aware of that, I was able to stop even though, you know, the world turns and you're running late and he's there and his dad's there. I, I said, I want to take a picture of this. So don't go anywhere. I'm going to run back in the house, come back out with my phone. I positioned him by the message. I took a picture of it and then sent him off. And that was the last picture ever taken of him. But I also captured what I feel like is my goodbye message from him that mm -hmm. would have been gone 15 minutes later. It was in the frost. So I always say to audiences that being present is the key to living life with the fewest regrets, being present with the ones that you love, looking them in the eye, being present, mm -hmm. talking with them, because far too often I think that we're, and including me too, I have to be mindfully aware of this, but on our devices, I go to dinner and I see this beautiful family, mom and dad and two gorgeous little kids, they're sitting at a table in a restaurant and all of them are on their devices. Yeah. All I can do to not go over and just say, you know, you have your beautiful family right here. Mm -hmm. These kids that mm -hmm. want to connect with you. This is such a beautiful gift. Do you know what I would give to have this gift for five more minutes with my six-year-old son? But I can't, but you can because you're right here with them. So the key to living life with the fewest regrets, because I know I was present when Jesse was around and I'm thankful for that as much as I could possibly be because I know I had that awareness and I know that I made the yeah. effort. Yeah. And, um, you know, that's such a beautiful story, Scarlett. And, you know, I remember hearing that the first time I heard you speak and it's such a great example of how we actually have these present moment stories thousands and thousands of times a day, but we're not usually awake for them. And what we mm -hmm. tend to be more awake for are the negative stories, the stressful ones, the disappointments. Oh, you didn't show up on time. Oh, I burnt the dinner, um, you know, and because of that negative bias of our brain that we've inherited yes. from our ancestors, we hold on to those negative things more than the good things. And the good things could be really, really simple things. You know, many people would have passed by that opportunity of you went for the step of even taking a picture mm -hmm. of Jesse by mm -hmm. the window but just like noticing that he did that and sort of soaking that in yes and the other thing about being mindful is that it gives us more awareness of noticing when there are those opportunities to soak in and we need to actually do that more than soaking in the negative stuff the it's negative stuff is always there it's such a great point because what do we tend to relate to our spouse or our kids? It's like, oh my gosh, this guy cut me off. And then that strengthens that negative experience. But if mm -hmm. we can share the gratitudes and the good moments, that's a really good reminder, Allison. Mm -hmm.
Yeah. And just one last thing, you know, the courage, forgiveness, gratitude, and compassion, like at any moment in our lives, if we just stop and say, what can I be grateful for mm. right now in this moment? Mm -hmm. Or what in this moment proves that I'm strong, mm -hmm. like that I'm brave in my life? Or what can I forgive right now in this moment, whether it's myself or somebody else? Or how could I look at this through love and compassion? You know, those four qualities at any moment of our day, if we just ask ourselves, where are they? Or how can I be these four things more? Just pick one. In that instant, we soften ourselves, we create ease within our inner being, and we turn on that prefrontal cortex. Of course, I love that. You're including our formula for choosing love and being mindful of each of the components every single day. So, so important. Right, but it's just it's really so easy. And the more we're able to add that moment to moment into our lives, I mean, we really build our own capacity to share those qualities in our life and with others. Because again, it really does start with ourselves. And that's what we have control over, ourselves. All right, so should we do a practice together? That would be great. I'm getting right, ready. So, okay, <laughs> you already know the drill. Yes. Because we're just having an audio here, I'll do a seated practice rather than one with movement that I would have to explain the movement. But um, I often like to start with movement, whether I'm working with children or with adults, because we all tend to hold our body with great tightness. And although we think of our mind as this incredible, credible organ that controls everything, controls our body, controls you know, how we react and how we respond in our environment, really the body sends so much information to the brain, informing the brain of our state of being. Sometimes when we just sit to be mindful, if we're holding a lot of tightness in our body, it's really hard for our mind to open and soften. Mm. So it's easier to get to those spaces within our mind if we use the body first. And what would an so, example of a movement like that be? I mean, it can even be as simple as standing. Well, why don't we just do that? Let's try this out. Okay. All right, so let's start by standing with your feet about hip distance apart, our arms gently by our sides, our palms facing forward. And notice if you have a tendency to like lock your knees in this position and see if you could soften them. So just bend them a little bit. And if it's comfortable for you and you feel balanced enough, gently close your eyes. And if not, just see if you can still your eyes on something in front of you so that your eyes are not wandering around. And bring your attention to your feet, the bottom of your feet, feeling stable, feeling grounded, feeling safe with this connection of our body onto the earth. You know, the earth is this beautiful, enormous epicenter of wonderful energy. And we can use that energy of the earth to hold us. But bringing our attention and our intention to that really adds to the power of that. 
and then begin to bring your attention to your breath. So noticing your in-breath and your out-breath a few times and bringing some mindful awareness without judgment. So it doesn't matter how full your breath is, how loud or how soft it is. Just notice that you have this wonderful gift of being able to breathe. And then with your next in-breath, you're gonna take a big breath in through your nose, and as you breathe in, reach your arms all the way up to the ceiling, stretching your body in two directions. So your fingers are reaching towards the ceiling, but your feet are still glued and protected by the floor. As you exhale, gently bring your body forward like a waterfall, and you're going to let your hands glide down towards the floor, releasing your head and neck. And it doesn't matter how close you get to the floor, just make sure you're not locking your knees. And now on the in-breath, we're gonna reach up again. Big breath in, filling up our whole body with air, reaching up towards the ceiling. As you exhale, float those hands back down towards the floor. Releasing the lower back, releasing your head and your neck, letting everything hang. Knees are slightly bent. Again, big breath in, reach all the way up. Exhale, fold forward, let all the air out. So this movement actually helps our lungs take in air and release air. A few more times, big breath in, reach all the way up. Exhale, let all the air out. So as we fold, it pushes the air out of our lungs. Big breath in, reach all the way up. Big breath out, all the air out. Remember to release your head and neck as you lean forward. Last time, big breath in, reaching all the way up. Exhale, let all the air out. And we end on the inhale. So big breath in, reach your arms all the way up again. And now as you exhale, let your arms float down to the sides of your body, just where we began. And let's do a little check-in before we move on. So checking in with your breath, noticing where it is. Noticing if anything changed from when we started. And it's just a noticing. It's not an analyzing. Noticing if there are any other sensations, with your body talking to you. Maybe you notice your heart beating. Maybe you notice some tingling somewhere in your body. And then bringing your attention again to your feet, still secure, grounded in the earth, protected by the energy of the earth, holding you safe. And we can end by placing our hands on our heart. And thinking of one thing that you're grateful for right now in this moment.
and take a deep breath in through your nose and out through your nose and thanking yourself for giving yourself these few moments to care for yourself. And gently flutter your eyes open, bringing yourself back. That was amazing. So they're very simple practices. Sometimes what sort of scares people for getting started with, with mindfulness or meditation or yoga is they think that there's this huge commitment of time. It's going to take forever. Mm -hmm. you know, I see these yogis on their mats or people sitting on their cushions for an hour. I can't sit for an hour. I've got things to do. Things to do. People to see, places to go. I don't have time for this stillness stuff. That's right. But the reality is it does not take much to shift our whole hormonal system. It does not take much to bring ease to the muscles within our body. It does not take much to have just a moment of focus and attention on one simple thing within us. It doesn't require hours. There's a shift that happens even in a minute, mm. in one minute of caring for yourself, of bringing yourself to yourself. And what I mean by that is bringing your big self, like that inner self, we could call it the soul, the spirit, bringing that to the self of the body, the physical self. Just a minute creates a beautiful shift. Such a powerful tool for our own self-management. And then I feel like it lasts for the rest of the day when I start with that mindful awareness. You're practicing self-care when you do it. You feel more connected. I feel more in control of myself and my thoughtful responses. Yeah, and you're also setting an intention for yourself. Um, you're setting an intention that, number one, I care about myself. And you're setting this intention of, I'm gonna be in gratitude today, or I'm gonna be in ease today, or I'm going to just be happy for the sake of that is how I want to be, mm -hmm. right? That's and my choice. <laughs> right, that is my choice. So that when you are walking into those situations, that example that I gave earlier of, maybe you wake up and you're happy in the morning, but you walk into this meeting or maybe you walk into this classroom that is you know lots and lots of negative energy you are setting yourself up to remembering what was your intention when you started the day you can be aware of the negative energy that is around you but you don't have to absorb it mm -hmm. you can choose to stay in your calm connected, grounded, grateful, easeful, compassionate state. And clearly, if you set your intention for that and your awareness of that existing within you, your ability to hold on to it will be a thousand times greater than you not acknowledging your power and your ability 
to claim that for yourself. And your power and ability extends to being able to shift the negativity around you. Mm-hmm. You know, that was the whole premise of the Choose Love movement is that when we choose a loving thought over an angry thought, we not only help ourselves feel good, which is a pretty simple concept, but through the ripple effect, making this a mm-hmm. safer, more peaceful and loving world. And that brings us all the way back to when we started this podcast about relationships. Yes. Of our social skills and our relationship skills. Absolutely. Oh my gosh, Allison, thank you so much for an incredible oh, so experience. What a gift to our audience that are listening. And I just thank you so much. And I, I'm so grateful for our partnership and all that we've done together and all that we're going to do together in the future. So thank you. Yeah. And thank you for all the goodness that you are putting into this world. Thank you. All right. Well, see you next time. It's all part of us. We can all choose love. It'll lift you up if you let